Ulterior. Mr. Beast don't know you like that. It was never gonna work. Good on everybody for trying, but yeah. Um, I think before getting into everything that I need to for this episode, I do want to make mention right now of the news from earlier in the week about some 41's disbandment. I can't sit here and pretend to have had this like giant and heartfelt connection to some 41 the way that I know a lot of other people did, but it's still the, um, the exiting of a band who did so much for the scene once upon a time. And for that reason and everything else combined, like it's very sad to see people, you know, theoretically lose a band that meant so much to them. And so, uh, I really do hope that anybody who wants to see some 41 for one final time this year in their fall tour, you're able to, and that you get everything you need to, as far as closure goes for this act. With this chapter, I'm going to be looking at brand new singles by the likes of Bring Me the Horizon, Rivals, Set It Off, and a couple of others I want to get through, and then brand new records by Psychoframe, Teeth, Dropout Kings, Unearth, and Currents. Thank you so much, thank you for tapping in, and I hope you guys enjoy this episode. Let's talk for a second real quick about the Ridgely Theater out in Fort Worth. For anybody who doesn't know about what's been going on the last couple days, um, there was a Black Dolly Murder headline show that went through Ridgely last week, and there was a lot of discourse and then subsequently video evidence to back up what happened. Um, just security over there being the fucking biggest pieces of shit, biggest douchebags imaginable, and just completely fucking ruining everybody's time. And like, um, the video shows a security guard with the microphone in his hand and like not giving it back to the terror vocalist and saying some cornball ass shit like, I don't think so. Man, fuck you. Fuck what you think, dog. And then in response, the venue just did not side with the band or the fans whatsoever, and all of hardcore might be banned from there. It's fucking stupid. It's so fucking ridiculous. And I, for, for the sake of the scene and the audience, I would hope that no tour related to what it, it happens here and in those settings ever goes to Ridgely again. You know, there are so many other venues that can be welcoming to that kind of shit, and Ridgely is as far removed from any sort of sane pattern of thinking as possible when it comes to dealing with security, and specifically their bullshit-ass security. But yeah, that's that whole situation, and I'm going to go ahead and get into the music for the episode now, and you guys know what's about to happen right now, right? You know what I'm going to waffle about. You know what blood is going to go fucking crazy for. The brand new single out right now by Bring Me The Horizon called Lost. I will try to keep this concise and not so 
over the top or off the walls, but I hope you guys understand how difficult that is, considering that Bring Me the Horizon is my favorite band of all time. I think they're the greatest band to ever live, the greatest band to ever do this shit. You guys are not listening to me waffle right now if it was not for Bring Me the Horizon. So anytime that they're active again, anytime they drop something new, it is like a, a special event for myself. Like, drop everything else and pay attention to Bring Me the Fucking Horizon. With Loss, I had no idea what to expect going into it, and that has subsequently become like the pattern for Bring Me the Horizon ever since Amo. You cannot go into a new release of theirs, whether it be a single, an album, or an EP, and have this preconceived notion of what it's going to sound like. Lost sounds like nothing that they've done beforehand. This song is, in some ways, built upon a pop-punk sound, but it's still a very brooding and dark theme that is so patented to bring me the horizon and the, like, emo avenue that they're uh, venturing towards for Post-Human 2 whenever that does drop. I absolutely adore the pacing of the song, I love the tempo, I love the chorus, it is so catchy, those hooks are as infectious as they have ever been. The breakdown, maybe it is a little bit gimmicky, but I fell in love with it immediately, could not stop listening to the breakdown, could not pull myself away from just rewinding to that specific portion almost fucking non-stop for a couple hours like i'm not even exaggerating guys i have heard that stupid fucking breakdown more than any breakdown in i don't even know fucking how long dude it is crazy it is chaotic it is beautiful it is malevolent it is obnoxious it is bring me the horizon it is everything that i need this band to be it is everything that i chase after when it comes to reassuring my passion for sea music and lost is a fucking achievement for not only Bring Me the Horizon, but the scene at large. Maneater is the name of the brand new single out right now from Rivals. This is the fifth single released by Rivals in the last year or so, and off the strength of each song, I personally do believe that this band is on the run of their careers. And I remember when talking about Sad Looks Pretty on me two years ago, I said that Rivals to me is a band who they have the potential and the capability is there. Like if you could not listen to Rivals and understand the, uh, the level at which this band is on the precipice of greatness, you were kind of missing out on something. But it was still going to take a little bit of effort for them to really capture that stardom and, and that pinnacle sound that I know they're capable of doing. Because they've displayed versatility among songs like Dangerous and They Won't Love You, and then now off of Maneater, the fluidity and ability to write catchy hooks is displayed through this song as well as it has ever been for Rivals. And I think that they are, with each single, inching closer and closer to finding that greatness that I mentioned right now coming off of Sad Looks Pretty On Me. Rivals is a band that people really should be paying attention to, and whenever they do have a new project out, whether it be an EP or an album, I don't see how this band does not close that gap between potential and fulfillment. So there's another collaboration out now between Set It Off and Scene Queen, and it is Set It Off's new single called Win Win. So 
When I say another collaboration, I mean because last year there was a scene queen song featuring Cody Carson and it was called Barbie and Ken. This time we're getting uh, the duel pairing the other way around. So with Win-Win, there is this element of surprise to the current independent incarnation of Set It Off because the last single punching bag showed me that they still got that dog in them and the ability to make something hard-hitting that wasn't necessarily there on elsewhere in that exact manner was rising to the surface. And then now with Win-Win, the feature spot from Scene Queen is what really allowed me to latch onto this single because I think she sounds better here than she ever has before. Like, Scene Queen shows off this singing prowess that I didn't know was there for her, and it makes me eager to hear some material from her that is more rooted in something of this nature. All of Win-Win is very catchy and infectious and does its part in reestablishing Set It Off as a powerhouse band that I hope more people who may only have exposure to them from upside down and onwards can be put onto. Artificial Anatomy is the name of the brand new Left to Suffer single featuring Kim Dracula. This is part of the record called Feral, which is dropping May 12th. So by the time most of you guys listen to this episode, the album's probably already out. So go run those numbers up because I think Left to Suffer right now are leaving a mark on Deathcore just as big as most of their contemporaries. I think with this song specifically, you're getting every bit of that ferocious nature to Left to Suffer that people know and love. Taylor's screams are among the most elite tier in all of C music right now. I think Kim's feature spot is able to help propel the song uh, above the rest of the singles for the album, in my opinion. And just overall, Left to Suffer right now are one of the most exciting bands pushing Deathcore forward. And I really, really believe that sentiment will be expanded to all of Feral once the album is finally out. The final single that I'm going into detail on for the episode comes from Like Moss to Flames, and it is I Found the Dark Side of Heaven. I think Like Moss to Flames may be the safest bet in metalcore in terms of always being able to deliver always being able to appease the fan base and always being able to stay true to themselves anytime moths does something i know it's going to be quality i know people are going to fuck with it in the same way that i found the dark side of heaven is so like inherent to the nature of moths and it's fast-paced and aggressive and heavy and it checks off every box that i need a moths song to and at the end of the day that's all i can really ask for from, from this band that's all i can ask for out of chris roder that's all i can ask for out of everybody involved in the project um i have never actually seen like moths of flames live before but i'm going to get the chance at the end of the month on the currents tour and i genuinely could not be more excited to finally be able to be there in person and experience the sensationalism of Like Master Flames. These were the remaining singles last week that I gave either a 4 or a 5 to in the views on social media. 
College Kids by 408, APEP by Alt featuring Jack from Void of Vision, Snake Eyes by Ares, Relic by Awaken I Am, Visions by Cemetery Sun, Graduate by Dead Bundy, My Light by Dead by April, Like a Kennedy by Heart Attack Man, At My Funeral by K. Williams, Peace Be the Journey by Keep Flying, In Bed with a Psycho by Lado, Rearview Memory by Locket, Homicide by Magnolia Park, More Like a Crash by Mayday Parade, Sirens by Monashi, Hate Today, Die Tomorrow by Neverending Game, Spit by Poppy, which is a kitty cover, Tried and True by Terminal Sleep, Kill by Trophy Eyes, and Never Again by Virtual Veins featuring Quinn Harknet. It was actually a pretty solid week overall for singles, so uh, good shit everyone. Now moving into the records for the week, I'm going to start off with an EP that I gassed up pretty heavily last week, and the end result it did not leave me disappointed whatsoever. Remote Godseeker by Psychoframe. So before getting into any of the material that's present here on the CP, I do want to correct myself because when I mentioned the single Dragging Nazarene on the last episode, I was given bad information pertaining to the members of this project and I misspoke about who's involved. That's my fault and I do apologize for that. Psychoframe is a supergroup of sorts made up of members from the bands Vatican and Mood Ring, which is a fucking goaded combo and knowing that background in which these members come from, it makes more sense for explaining how this project just like came right out of the gate immediately with something as fucking stellar as Remote Godseeker. 24 Hours Left and Dragon Nazarene were the two singles heading into this EP, and both of them just left me floored, and I couldn't pull myself away from these elements of not only nostalgia, but also everything that is happening in the current space of deathcore and just how well this band combined all of those characteristics and made something that i just i didn't want to shut up about it i didn't want to stop listening to it the other songs on remote godseeker do just as good of a job at painting cycle frame as one of the most complete identities in modern deathcore and you get hit with that reality right immediately the fucking second you get into the opening song internal death trance because it's just snare bomb after snare bomb breakdown after breakdown chugging rift after after chugging riff and even if that sequence sounds so formulaic for deathcore psycho frame is anything but formulaic these guys are fucking masters at their craft and just coming out of this ep I don't want to say that like this is my favorite Deathcore release of the year so far because I don't know that for a fact. I'd really have to think about it because Deathcore has been making a lot of waves and strides in recent months in a way that I haven't really seen since maybe like the heydays of Suicide Silence and Chelsea Green and Whitechapel and when those bands were like, you know, at their peaks per se in terms of popularity and quality, at least in my opinion. But now getting an EP like Remote Godseeker and having a band like Psychoframe delivering this sound at this moment, I, it's hard for me to think of anybody right now who managed to do it as effectively in a short time span as Psychoframe. So if anything that I've been saying about Deathcore speaks to you and speaks to your interest and taste in the genre, this is an EP that 
you really do need to go out of your way to check out because there is so much on here that I am going to be taking with myself for a very long time. And I don't know what it would take to pull me away from Remote God Seeker or make me want to pull myself away from it. A Biblical Worship of Violence by Teeth. I want to do right by this EP and what I mean by that is I don't want to just like repeat every talking point I highlighted on Psychoframe just now because there are similarities here in the sense that these two EPs left me insanely proud of the direction that their respective genres are heading in and who we're leaving that responsibility in the hands of. Psychoframe did it with Deathcore and I think Teeth have done it with Metalcore off of this EP. It is blistering all the way through like not really a single moment to breathe or intake what it is that you're hearing and the second that we eat our young starts and kicks in it's blast beat you don't have a choice but to get lost in the rhythmic chaos that bring every element of teeth together so immaculately well and you end up with the same notion in your head for hate me which keeps the pace and momentum alive and at the midway point of the EP, you get into Pig Virus, which might be my favorite song on the EP as of now, because I think the shorter format of the song encapsulates the ideas and themes within Teeth to the best of the band's capabilities, and everything comes together so fluidly on this track. The EP finishes out on Drip and Eyeshorn's Mouth, and just like by the end of it, it was a very short EP. It's only about 14 minutes long. I just wanted to hear it again, and again, and again, and it's just such an easy EP to sit through and really sink your teeth into because of how good I believe teeth are right now at conveying these kinds of sounds and this brand of metalcore that even if there are other bands around them doing it, I don't know how many are doing it to the extent that I find to be as favorable as with teeth. It's a phenomenal EP and teeth is a phenomenal band. If you need that kind of a deathcore or not deathcore but a a metalcore fix in terms of something this heavy and this brutal teeth is going to do that for you the brand new dropout kings album is out right now it is called riot music so if I'm going to talk about Dropout Kings and make the points that I know I have to make if I want to be true to myself on this review, I think the place that I need to start isn't actually on Riot Music, but rather Glitch Gang. And for anybody who might not know, Glitch Gang was the EP by Dropout Kings back in 2020. Um, it was kind of like a pandemic release. I remember, you know, back when everybody was locked up and shit, metaphorically locked up, you know what I mean? Um, I just burned through Glitch Gang so many fucking times because it was that addictive of an EP. And the title track and Hakai left massive impressions on me by the end of that year. And I couldn't not give Glitch Gang its flowers as, for myself at least, one of the best records that year. So now fast forward to the start of 2022 and the band released Heya as a single. Heya ended up being the closing track on Riot Music and I 
don't really know if it works in that settings necessarily um, because to me, it, it doesn't have that emphatic exclamation on it that I prefer for closers to have. It, it is a good song that feels so like in tune with the spirit of Dropout Kings, but nothing really beyond that. Um, it's got a great bounce to it. The bars are cool. The chorus hits ferociously, but it's hard for myself to distinguish those elements as being just a part of Hey Ya and not so many other songs here like um, Hit Like This or Vacuum Cleaner. There is one song that I do want to single out as being the lowest point of the record, and that's Lights Out, which features Dead. I do really like the approach in trying to make something a bit more mellow in certain parts of the verses, but once the song gets into his chorus, it just sounds like grating to me. Uh, I don't really know how to explain it. Um, the delivery vocally just doesn't match what I would consider to be the apex of the core Dropout King sound. And even as something experimental, it, it doesn't do it for me and I can't get behind it personally. On the positive end of my tangent though, I do think that there are some songs here that feel like I would have been able to appreciate them alongside everything off of Glitch Gang, like Tofu and Bingo, and then Fighter Jet, which I believe is the best song on this album. I think the pacing to the flow in the verses of Fighter Jet really allows that song so much room to breathe and capture its character while parlaying that into a chorus that executes everything that I mentioned, Lights Out Mist. It is heartfelt and catchy, while still being inherently Dropout Kings. So just to kind of wrap up my thoughts about Riot Music, I would say that right now, and, and I don't know the likelihood of this changing, I do look at this as being quite a step down from Glitch Gang. I do not enjoy this record nearly as much as that EP. To me, that EP was like essentially flawless, whereas Riot Music, I felt like it was taking some effort for me to really pull out the positive notes for this review. Like if somebody told me to recommend them Dropout King stuff, I'm going to recommend mostly everything off of Glitch King before I do anything here. Sans, Fighter Jet, and Tofu, and Ben Goat. But that, to me, that's disappointing. Because I did have high hopes for this band, and I still do in a way. But I don't really see or know where said hopes go, considering the overall apathy right now that I feel towards Riot Music. Let me do some real throwback shit right now and talk about Unearth and their new record, The Wretched, The Ruinous. So just to kind of uh, give a little bit of like a briefing in terms of uh, what my attachment to Unearth is or how I feel towards the band, I can't say necessarily I feel strongly one way or the other about the band as an act altogether, but they had a song, it was Grave of Opportunity, it dropped back as part of the album The March from 2008, and Grave of Opportunity remains just one of the for whatever reason, most important metalcore songs I've ever listened to in my life. And I say for whatever reason, because that song didn't necessarily catapult me into like this fandom period for Unearth. I, I don't see them as like this grandiose act the same way that I do other metalcore bands from the 2000s, like Avengers Sevenfold, Kill Switch Engage, Bullfire Valentine, you know, those sorts of things. Yet Grave of Opportunity stands as like one of those just 
altering moments in my adoration for metalcore and i still listen to that song to this day i cannot fucking get enough of it it is one of the best songs i've ever heard in my life but like i said that didn't really extend into me following unearth so i wasn't initially tapped in for records like darkness and the light and watcher of rule or extinctions i, I have since then gone back to hear them in preparation for the wretch of the ruinous and my overall thoughts about the band will uh seep into what i have to say about this record so hearing the wretched thoroughness the thing that kept coming to my mind was how this record feels and sounds somewhat antithetical to something like the recent august burns red album that i reviewed and what i mean by that is that august burns red haven't really gone out of their way to evolve their sound and while that is a detriment to my enjoyment of them it's not a detriment to so many others, and they're happy with getting that core August Burns Red sound every time a new record cycle begins. Unearth is in the same category, sort of, where you know exactly what you're going to get from them. And if you're someone who looks at yourself as like a metalhead or a merchant for that sort of straightforward, strict metalcore sound, you're always going to get your desires satisfied by this band. And to an extent, I am right there alongside all of you, because I think that at its core, The Wretched the Ruinous is a great metalcore album that I enjoy at 28 just as much as I would have at 18. I think that the opening song, which is the title track, it gives you as clear of an idea as you need heading into the rest of the album. And those ideas consist of some excellent guitar work, great rhythms, great screams, and the ability for Unearth to still find melodic sensibility all these years later. To kind of revert back to the August Prince Red comparison, I will say that as The Wretched of the Ruinous progresses, I did later on start to find myself becoming a bit tired with the act here. And that's not really reflected in the score of, uh, I think it was eight and a half that I gave it, because I made that judgment after one listen. The few times that I've gone back to this album ever since then, I can acknowledge that maybe by the time the album stretches into Dawn of the Militant, I caught myself wandering off despite the song being good. So even if I may not feel as strongly in favor of the record anymore, there are still some insane moments on here that I think I could find a lot of solace in hearing in a live setting. Like the instrumentation arrangement on Into the Abyss and how the guitars can find harmony in everything happening around them throughout the solos that show up in the middle of the track. I also think that the closing song, Theaters of War, has this sensational energy going for it in the final minute with a breakdown that still gives Unearth the canvas to really show off their unique traits once more before the album finishes. So I think that if you're after something that is grounded in a very basic metalcore sound and i don't say basic in a disparaging way but just like being honest there isn't anything here really innovative it is definitely an album that speaks to where metalcore has like kind of uh i guess to some people been stuck in for the last few years but that doesn't make it bad at all i think it's a good record if that's what you're after and just something to kind of like just get lost in and chill with this is a great album to do that for and now for the final record of the episode, I'm going to talk about one of my most anticipated releases of the entire year, The Death We Seek by Currents.
this is a big one. Not just for myself, but for the scene at large, because it, it feels like I haven't really seen this level of just pure excitement and adulation from the fans of Currents towards the project. And that's really, really cool to see because this is a band that I don't want to say like they've been some of the best at metalcore over the last couple of years, but the potential and growing likelihood of that one day being the case was always there. Um, I can remember hearing the place I feel safest and just kind of understanding from then on, like, okay, there is something here. And anybody who is gassing up this band, there's purpose to this. Like, this is an act that can really, really shine through. And then I Let the Devil In, the 2018 EP, you know, kind of expanded on that. And then once we got into The Way It Ends, I... Okay, so The Way It Ends was a pandemic album. So I feel like when you add that asterisk of, like, pandemic album, you can... Or you have to understand, like, a varying degree of connections that people can feel to those records and for myself the way it ends i i don't think i was able to really appreciate it as much at the time because of the setting that i was first hearing it in and like specifically i remember there was a single off of it i believe it was um a flagged wave where i had kind of just uh like i'm not gonna get like personal right now or anything like that but um I went through stuff at that time, not great stuff, and I can remember just sitting outside and listening to A Flagged Away for the first time, and it was one of those songs, like, I will never forget where I was when I heard it, how I felt when I heard it, and what it ended up being able to do for me, and kind of be a song that maybe I didn't realize it at the time, but it really did help lift my spirits, and I feel so bad that the way it ends at large as a record, I couldn't have that same level of sentiment towards it because of just other factors. So this cycle for The Death We Seek was the opportunity for myself to embrace Currents the way that I had been wanting to and the way that had been building throughout the last few years. Um, it was around September last year that the rollout began with the release of the Tower Trek, and there is this level of, like, calm calamity to everything that is happening within that track that I think speaks to the talent of Currents and how well they can intertwine different sectors of metalcore and be as fucking good at all of it as they are. Like, just the ease that Brian can carry a verse with some crazy screams and then do the same for a clean chorus that conveys as much emotion as any other of the elite bands in metalcore right now, it is never going to not leave me completely fucking astounded. The next single thereafter was Vengeance, which does steer the album into a bit of a heavier direction through its placement as the seventh track. Um, to me, this is the kind of song that I just cannot wait to lose my mind to in a live setting when I see Currents at the end of the month, because it displays this level of aggression that further elevates Currents beyond where they're already at. Remember Me. This was the third single, and... Truthfully, as of now, it is my favorite song on the record, and then even at large, it is my favorite song that Currents have ever put out. Take what I mentioned earlier about the emotion from Brian in the Tower Trek, and somehow just fucking amplify it to the extent where it's hard to decipher whether you're supposed to mosh or cry to this song. I can sense it, I've convinced myself that the world I love is gone, the blood is on the walls, the damage has been done, we carry the weight of selfless scars, we silently crave, upon a pedestal we place our pain. This song brings 
so much out of me and it has been like in that echelon of songs last few months where i just i i don't even know how to really properly train my brain to respond to what is happening because it's like this wave of just like sadness and grief but then also somehow like joy and hope and i don't really know how to process any of that i don't understand any of it just yet and it, it also, in my opinion, has one of the most singable choruses on any track that I've discussed so far this year, and I am captivated by it every time, as if I'm listening to it for the first time all over again. The final single ahead of the Death We Seek's release was So Alone, which I felt did a great job at continuing the trend I mentioned with Remember Me in terms of building this gripping emotion while keeping the heavy elements that are true to the nature of Currents. And at large, I think every factor that made these singles so fucking sensational carry over to the rest of the record, like on the course to a track like Living in Tragedy, which lets Brian's voice soar to heights that I don't believe he has ever reached before. And this all comes after an insane verse with some sick gutturals. There were two songs on here that I thought just perfectly showed off the band's ability to scale things back while still being one of the most uplifting and enthralling acts in the scene right now. Unfamiliar and Guide Us Home, the latter of which is the closer for the record. Guide Us Home takes essentially every trait of the album and mixes it into this one song that perfectly summarizes what made the Death We Seek as impactful as it is while Unfamiliar takes on this really soothing nature in its verses and bridge. And I know I've already waffled about choruses, but it's hard not to when examining songs like Gone Astray or Over and Over or Beyond This Road and just feel like the vocals from Brian are wrapping themselves around you and providing this warmth through the destruction of the record that is visualized on the artwork. There are so many elements to The Death We Seek that it's hard to even find like the proper way to convey all of it over the course of having heard it for one week. I feel like after maybe three, four, five months, like maybe even by the end of the year, that is when I will be able to properly sit down here and tell you guys about every facet of this record that kept me just glued to everything that was going on because that is the kind of attention and respect that is commanded by Currents on this album. To answer my own question from earlier, was this the album that got me fully on board with Currents? Yes, just beyond yes. This album lived up to every bit of hype that had been built around it. It exceeds all those expectations in my opinion. Like this album turned out to be better than I thought it would be. And I already thought it was going to be one of the most fucking goaded and elite metalcore albums in the last couple of years. Currents right now might be, actually not might be, they're one of like the top five or three metalcore bands in the world. And if you have them at number one, I'm not even going to try to argue with that because I totally understand it and I get it. Currents are that fucking good right now and i would only hope that the star that is burning for them right now just burns brighter than it ever has before as they progress through the cycle for this album and that's it that was every album and single and ep from the last week for me to review and this was only the start of what is going to be an insanely busy may because next episode there's like um, Villa Maya, Amity, The Casey Strain, The Week After, The Use and Sleep Token, The Week After, Heart Attack, man, like, May is going to be one of those months that when it comes time to do, like, the year-end stuff in December, we all look back on May as, like, this turning point where we started to see, like, certain song and records lists take shape, and uh, there's a lot to look forward to, not just in May, but beyond that, so, yeah, um, 
I'm going to go ahead and get off this now. You guys have been here long enough. Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed this episode. And as always, for the love of the game, let's make a scene.